What a mighty God we serve. Amen, saints? He's so good to us. I thought I would end on that song. Lord, Lord, Lord. You've been so good to me. Hallelujah, right? He's done what the world could not do. Can the world forgive you of sins? Can the world make your path that was once headed to hell? Can it point it to heaven? Can he take you lonely, desperate, dark, hopeless, and put you in a family? He's done what the world can't do. He's done what no psychiatrist can do. He's helped minds like you never thought he could help a mind. He's done what no physician could do. He's healed the body from a woman that could not get help. He's done it all. Amen, saints? This is the God we serve. Hallelujah. Lord, 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 how good you've been to us. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, should never forget it in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to never forget. Help us to never forget, Lord. You're so faithful. You're so true. We love you so much. Thank you for this gathering tonight. Thank you for your church. Thank you for just being with us and taking care of us and leading us and guiding us with your Holy Spirit even after you left but we know that you're coming again. We believe your word, Father, that the angel said, why do, you, why do you stare in heaven? Don't you know he will return in the same manner? Oh, Maranatha, Lord, we, we trust in you. And, and while we wait, Lord, give us strength and give us endurance and give us patience. Help us to be disciplined as we serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to start off in Ephesians tonight. I've been talking to you about the church I have sort of another reminder message tonight. No, no big shedding of insight here. I think last week I called it a CCE, a Continuing Church Education. I thought I would only do one, but here's another one tonight, a Continuing Church Education. I woke up with this two days in a row. I thought I'm gonna go in a different direction. I wanted to start talking about relationships in the church, and in a way, we are, but just a reminder about church. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, it says this, that he might present himself a glorious church. You know what, saints? Our Christian destiny, brethren, our Christian density, destiny, our Christian destiny, can I rewind to start over? Our Christian destiny is to be involved in a local church. It's to be involved in a local church on this earth. You know, yes, brother, isn't it it to go to heaven? Amen. Isn't it to be worshiping the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. But what do we do between now and that time when we're in eternity? Our call is to be involved and participate and be active in a local church. And we're going to talk about the church tonight and our activity in the local church. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, Lord willing, we'll be here again at some point, maybe not tonight, but in the future. You know, starting in verse 21, there's this message that many relate to as a marriage. It's a, it's a, it's a topic of marriage, husbands and wives. But I want to share with you, it, it, it's more of a topic about the church. You see, the church was that important to the God, to Jesus. This is the word, right? The word was God, he became flesh. This word sort of gives examples of how Jesus thought and what his behavior was. And, and one of his thinking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote here that the church is like a marriage. 
He could have picked best friends. He could have picked brothers and sisters, like, a, like siblings. But he said, no, the church is going to be like a marriage. And what is a marriage? It's not a marriage, a promise in a relationship. It's not just a relationship. We have relationships all the time. A marriage is something special because you promise something in front of God. In front of God, I promise that this person next to me, I'm going to do my best for. I'm going to do my best for this person next to me. I'm going to be there when they're there, when they need me. When they're sick, I'm going to be there. When they're healthy, I'm going to be there. Right? Don't we say those vows in, in sickness and in health? Right? Till death do us part. What happens when we have death? We're with our Savior. Hallelujah. But until Paul was making the analogy here, he's talking about relationships and he's talking about the church, but here in Ephesians, he jumps to a marriage. Marriages, they're, they're examples of what our relationship should be towards the church. I never made a promise to the church. I never, you might think, I never made a promise to the church. I never made a vow to the church. You made a vow to Jesus when you got saved. For better or worse, Lord, I'm going to serve you. In sickness and in health, Lord, I'm going to cry out to you. In tired and feeble knees, I'm going to still walk in your direction. Part of that is being involved in the local church. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. God is so good, isn't he, saints? In Acts chapter 2, what not a better place to go when you're talking about the church but the early church, right? The church that was so inspired by the Holy Spirit and how to behave and, and what they should do. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Another way to say that, in some of your translations, it may say the apostles' teachings. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. The attributes of a local church, if you look here, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and teaching, they continued steadfastly in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. To me, this is the defining description of the church of Christ, is coming together. One of the defining descriptions of a local church is people coming together. Amen? We know that the definition of a church is what? Can someone yell it out? That's right. Called out ones assembled, right? You're called out from where? The world. It doesn't end there. There's not a period. I'm called out. Called out and then assembled. See, the Lord wants us assembled together. It's very important in the Lord's eyes that we assemble together, that we put a priority, that we put a, a, a weight on being together that there's some sort of, sort of weight in our heart when, when the saints are together, home fellowship, camp meetings, Wednesday night at church, which all of you are here anyhow. I'm preaching to the choir in some ways. But that's okay. It's a good reminder. But it puts some weight on us to say church is important. Being involved with the church is important. I may not feel it tonight, but just showing up may look at someone across the aisle and be like, oh, that brother, I'm so happy they're here tonight. They're such an example. I wasn't thinking about coming, but that brother came. I'm going to go sit with that guy just because he inspires me to be better. This is what church does, just seeing each other, 
just worshiping together. The music ministry, getting ready and prepared to sing songs to help and lead our hearts into worshiping our Lord and Savior. Lord, Lord, Lord. How good you've been to me. Right, this happens in church. This happens in church. When you come to church, something happens to our spirit. This is not something we, we, we look at as a job. I'm checking in, I'm crossing off the list that I made church tonight. Lord, you saw me, I, I crossed off the church. Well, if that's the case, you know what the Lord told me once when I did that? Don't even come to church. Come back when you're ready. I got disciplined by the Lord. I think Brother Brian does this. The Lord did that to me. For thinking of church as something mundane. For thinking of church as something I can just fit into my schedule as I was studying for my finals. The Lord said, no. If you want to do that, don't, put, don't include me in your little plans. Let me be the plan or don't include me in the plan. It was a message the Lord gave me. Church is important. Coming to church is important. Being together with the brethren is important. We have a time in our society where saying coming together, ah, not a big deal. Pastor Brian's been sharing about the great de-churching that's happening across America. And he's right. If you look online, if you start reading research about it, church attendance is just dropping. Severely, exponentially dropping off. And it's not coming back up very quickly. See, when you make church as a plan, I'm going to plan for church tonight, you probably won't come. But when you say, God is my plan, I want to be where the saints are because this is what the Lord wanted from a local church. You say, I'm tired. I'm going to go to church. I'm a little weak. I'm going to go to church because things happen when we get together. We'll see that tonight. Biblically, church is not simply defined as the born-again believers in the world. That's the universal church. You know, we talk about things like the local church. Well, there's a universal church. Those are just all the believers together in the world. If this was the case, there would be no depth. If the church was just the believers of the world, hey, I'm part of the church. Well, where do you go? I'm part of the church. When I got saved, I'm part of the church. Okay, well, who are you involved with? I'm involved with the Lord. What, what are you working on? Whatever the Lord wants me to work on. Where's the depth? Where's the angst? Where's the texture of your, you know, where's the, where's the life in your Christianity? Where, where's, the, where's the depth and the ups and downs and the growth and the elbow and, the, and your wrestling and the angst and like that frustrates me. How do I overcome this guy who just offended me? If you just run and hide somewhere and you're never involved in anything, how do you grow? You know, one of the great things about growing up with two brothers is he got into some fights. He got into some headlocks. Thank God I had a twin. I could just reach out and tap him. To tap him. Hey, I'm getting beat up by the older brother. Where's my tag team? Remember tag team, WWF? You used to try to, you know, you try to make it there. Your brother would grab you by the leg and pull you back and your twin's waiting. Just tap me out. I'll help you out. You know, this is the great thing about growing up with brothers or siblings. It may seem as parents now, teenagers, you want to choke them all. Stop fighting. But they're learning. They're learning how to deal with each other. They're learning how to deal with frustrations. They're learning how to overcome. Parents, you're there to say, oh, you just crossed the line. I didn't mind you doing a little protecting yourself, but that word you just used, not good. Say you're sorry. Right? This is what you do as, as parents. You learn that stuff. So kids, kids can learn. They can grow. The same thing happens in church. 
in the local church, the same thing happens. Someone offends you. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back. What? How do you grow? How do you learn to overcome? How do you learn to fight for Jesus? How do you learn to be the example? Hey, brother, hey, sister, I went through the same thing once. Let me tell you what helped me. This is what I learned by coming to church. See, church is part of our Christian life. It's part of our Christian destiny in this life. It should be fought for. It should be, it should be, we should fight to be, not fight to retain. We should fight to go forward. We should fight to be there at church. Being satisfied to say, I'm part of the church of Christ. Don't get me wrong. It's wonderful being a part of the church of Christ. Amen, saints? Don't hear, don't misconstrue my words. I'm not saying it's not part of, it's not wonderful and a blessing to be part of the church of Christ. But if you make church just your simple fact of because I believe I'm part of the church, you're gonna miss out on wonderful things in life. It's an honor to be part of a local church. You know, there's a, our opposite, our antipode, I think it's called our antipode, the opposite direction of where we are in Syracuse, New York. In other words, the furthest and most opposite place in the world to where we are in Syracuse, New York is somewhere off the ocean in Australia. The closest place is a city called Augusta, Australia. You know, it's probably where Jonah would have went if he was fleeing from the Lord. If I'm fleeing from the Lord, I'm going to Augusta, Australia. And it sort of fits Jonah's model, right? I think Brother Don shared, he went down. We're going down under. If I'm running from the Lord, I'm going down under, right? Sorry if you're Australian, no, no offense. I got you, Ryan. But that's the furthest thing away. Look it. If you're saying I'm part of the, I'm part of the universal church, well, what's happening in the furthest place from us right now? We have no idea. We have no idea. What do they think about us right now? If they just say, hey, we're all part of the church, we all think we're the same. Well, we might think everything's great. Well, what's the problem with Augusta, Australia? What's the problem with persecution in China? Why are they getting persecuted? I'm not. You see, you don't learn anything if you just say, hey, the local church, no matter where you live, no matter what you're a part of, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're saved and born again, and that's it. There's more to life. There's more to our Christian experience. See, the people in Augusta, Australia, Whatever is happening down there, if they're involved in the local church, they're fighting for their community. They're fighting for their community. Whatever the problems may be in their community, they know about it. If we were to fly to Augusta, Australia, there's no direct flights. If we were to make our way there, guess what we'd find? A local church, we could ask them, what's going on? It might be completely different than the struggles we have here. It might be completely different. Just like persecution in China and North Korea, those saints have a completely different struggle than we have here. If they just said, I'm just a part of the local church, we would not grow in Jesus Christ. If we were, I'm sorry, if we just said we're part of the universal church, we would not grow in Jesus Christ. We would not have everything that we can call our own in our community for Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we are reading some of the qualities the attributes that the local church forms. This church, remember, was brand new. In the first part of Acts chapter two, they were just told to meet together and wait. Remember Acts chapter two, go wait. 
but the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and fell on them in Acts chapter two, verse one. These people were just getting saved. They were hearing the message from Peter. Peter stood up with boldness and began preaching. Amen? People were getting saved. Men were, and women were believing. They were coming together. There's no bias here towards what a church should be or what a church shouldn't be. There's no time has formed this church. The Holy Spirit was forming the church. The Holy Spirit was making the church. We're almost reading this live. It's really neat. We're actually seeing how the Holy Spirit was working amongst a group of people and organizing them to be together. Organizing them to maintain a relationship together. To stay together. To see the works of the Lord together in a community. It's happening live on the pages in front of us. They hear the preached word. They respond. They accept the Lord as their, as their Savior. Then they get baptized. Then they get the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's wonderful how the Lord works and the Holy Spirit begins to move in the church. One of the blessings of being part of the local church we'll see as the Holy Spirit moves among the church. Hallelujah. The attributes of those, it says, and they continued steadfastly. They, meaning the believers, those who were called out, born again believers. They, the believers who met together, Biblically, the church, right, saints? By biblical definition, the church, they were meeting together. It says this, they continued steadfastly. One of the attributes of a local church is continuing steadfastly. That's pretty neat. And my heart is to encourage us as we grow older, as generations come up, that we remind ourselves that there is a continuing steadfastness of a local body in Jesus Christ. That has to be there for the Lord to work. We are praying. We are asking the Lord to send his spirit. We want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen, saints? We're asking the Lord to to lead us and give, give us fruit that we can witness and bring them to Jesus Christ. Well, this has to happen from a church that's on fire for the Lord. The church that's burning with desire for the Lord. A church that's continuing steadfastly. You know, that word continuing is, if you translate it, it's just, it's a, it's a word that you can replace with was or they were steadfast. That idea of was, you ever think about the word was? He was there. Jesus was there. It's like they existed or they maintained that state of mind. They stayed there. When you think of the idea of of Ben was there. Ben was there. He existed there. His state of mind was there. But you know what? The word steadfastly follows up. They had a strong conviction to stay there. So it's not like he was there at one point and left. He was, but then they had a strong conviction to work on themselves to stay there. Stay in that state. That's what continues steadfastly meant. They continued to be diligent about staying in the state that they were in, in the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a picture. What effort, what work that might take in our hearts and minds. We can think, wow, that's, did they have a full-time job? Were they on call overnight? Did they have the same, did they, did they have the same jobs we have? Because that's pretty impressive to stay continually in the same state of mind. Wow. What a responsibility we have as a local body here at Living Word. Amen, saints? To stay steadfastly. And the concern is over time, what happens? We begin to think, 
Uh, I'll decide about church. I'll decide about relationships. I'll decide how I want to respond. Oh, uh, this person affects how I do this now. Well, that's not what the local church was teaching us here. Steadfast means to have sincere and intense conviction to something, to be constantly diligent in regards to maintaining their relationship in the local body. We see that the Bible shows us the church was in a state of mind that existed in a way to be steadfast, to be sincere, to have intense conviction towards maintaining their relationships with each other. Wow. If you ever thought about church that way, have you ever thought about church as a way to be steadfast and convicted to maintain your relationship with each other? Oh, I better go to church tonight because people, I gotta maintain my relationships with people at church. And you may think, what's the big deal? Church, you're making such a big deal about church. Let me go back to you. I'm reading you from the Bible. I'm just sharing with you what the Bible's saying. The Bible made a big deal about church. Jesus made a big deal about church. The Holy Spirit made a big deal about church. The early, the early Christians were making a big deal about church. They were making a big deal about church. What was that state of constant diligence and conviction? Well, it says right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they would be together. It says one of the qualifications there was that they were listening to the apostles' teaching, yes, but this, that they would be in fellowship that they would be in fellowship. Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit to share some things here that should not change over time, that time should not influence, that time should not wear away. And that thing is that they should have a strong conviction and maintain a constant relationship with each other. Saints, we're gonna be in eternity with each other forever, forever. This is who the Lord placed us with. Now, we'll, we'll be all over, and who knows what heaven will be like. Maybe I won't say anything. I don't know. We'll, we don't know what heaven will be like. But we know this. Together, we'll be with the Lord, worshiping him in eternity. The church is a little bit of that. Being together, worshiping the Lord together, focused on him together. This is what the church is showing us towards eternity. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, let's, let's continue to see about the, the believers being in fellowship together, maintaining a relationship with each other. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it reads this, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's a pretty strong conviction to help each other. That's a pretty strong devotion to be in fellowship with each other. And look at verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together. Every day they continue to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. Does this sound like these people were struggling here to do this? Does it sound like these people had a hard time opening up their homes to each other, welcoming each other in their homes, talking about the Lord with each other? You get a picture here that they were loving this. 
That this was, they were excited about this. I know in our church, we do a really good job at this, I think, opening our homes and being in fellowship. Many of us get so excited to have hospitality. It's such a wonderful thing. I, I think we do a great job at opening our homes and inviting people into our houses and, and welcoming people. Many of you have had nights of dinners for people. Random people will call you up, come on over. Many of you invite people over. Your house is an open house for Sunday afternoon dinner. It's a wonderful thing. Let me ask you, is that a struggle for you when you see people come in and fellowship in your house? Is it a struggle for you when you see people talking about the Lord on on your couches? Oh, I can't believe they're doing this on that one, my brand new white couch there. No, it's wonderful. You're excited. Your heart gets lifted up. You see why the church loved this? Because it gave them courage. It gave them faith to continue on in Jesus Christ. It gave them hope for a future. Hey, I may be down tomorrow, but look at the brethren I have around me. They come and talk about the Lord. They tell me how the Lord changed their life. They show me what the Lord has done for them. What a wonderful thing. Saints, I want to encourage our church in something we already do well to keep doing better, to keep opening up your homes, Keep letting your house be a house of worship, be a house where people can come and get refuse from this world. We can invite strangers in and feed them a meal and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fed meals and told them about himself. We can do the same thing in our houses. We can do the same thing in our homes, with each other, with with unbelievers even. We can have them over and talk to them about the love of Christ. Invite people into your homes. Let them see Christ's love in your home. Use wisdom, but you can do it. Jesus Christ loves this. This is what the people were doing, and look at the Holy Spirit was, it's almost like as I read these in the last couple of days, I see the Holy Spirit like a little kid in a candy shop. This is great, I love this, this is great. Working, working amongst people, working in crowds of people, working with individuals, changing lives, healing lives, doing miracles and wonders and signs and awes. It was wonderful what was happening in the church. Why? Because they were open to have fellowship and they weren't opposed to meeting together daily even. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing we see here. Don't worry. If I become Lord willing, as, my, as Brother Brian steps away, my, one of my ambitions is not to make the church meet daily. So don't have a fear about that. But it is a wonderful thing. Notice the togetherness and the familiarity here and the hospitality we read here, amen? You know what, saints, it's true. We may not be called to do some of the same things that these people were called to. They were called to give up of their possessions and sell things. We might not be called to do that. I understand that. We might have a different role, but we can still open up our homes. We we, We can still meet together with passion and desire and had conviction, amen? Something happens when we come together in Jesus' name. Something wonderful happens when you come in together in Jesus' name. One of the things that happens, we see it here, it levels the playing field. Anyone that had a need, it was taken care of. It levels the playing field. The local church should help level the playing field for its, for its brethren. It should happen. It's okay to do that. It's okay to help each other out. Help each other out. This is what the Lord wants us to do. You see, when we come into Christ, one of the blessings of coming to Christ is we get a fresh start, don't we? Old things are what? Passed away. He's leveled the playing field for us. 
It's almost like, I don't deserve this. I've made so many mistakes in my life, Lord. I don't deserve this. How could you do this for me? Because I want you to serve me now. I'm giving you a fresh start. I'm leveling the playing field. Sometimes in our relationships, we have to sort of level the playing field. All right, I got my issues, you got your issues. What's the Lord want us to do? What's the Lord want us to do? What's the Lord want me to do right now? If, it's a, if it keeps our relationship alive, what do you need me to do to help keep this relationship alive? I'm gonna level the playing field. They, it says right here, they had anyone that had a need, it was taken care of. I wanna ask, I wanna encourage the brethren tonight in this church, if you have a, a need with another brother, an offense with a brother, an offense with a sister, a struggle here, a struggle there, level the playing field. Ask the Lord, Lord, I can't go on like this. I can't move forward like this. God forbid if you're saying, hey, I'm not coming to church to say, hey, Ben's preaching tonight, I'm not gonna be at church tonight. Well, Peter, if I cannot help you out, how can I help you out? How can I be an example for you, touch you, meet with you, talk to you, level the playing field in Jesus' name so we can have a fresh start? So why? Why, so we can just get along? No, so the Holy Spirit can move. So the Holy Spirit can start working with us. So instead of being at odds with each other, we can be with each other fighting against the devil, fighting against the trials of this life, the devil, witnessing together, sharing the word together, laying hands on people. You see, this is what, the, this is what God did when he had brought people together. He leveled the playing field. He started things new. He saved, he born again. Hey, do you remember this is one of, one of the wonderful things about a local church. One of the wonderful things about a local church, look at Jesus' testimony. Jesus and his disciples were sort of like a little local church. They sort of were always together. They're always in fellowship. The local church is made up of the people and the community you are in. I talked about our, our antipode, it's called, Augusta, Australia. I don't know what the community they're in. But we have an idea of the community we are in Jesus had an idea of the community he was in. Look at it, he picked 12 men. Four of them were fishermen. A third, 33% of them were fishermen. Why would he pick fishermen? Well, they were, in a, they were lived on a sea. They were by a, by a sea where, where fishermen did a lot of work, where there was a lot of water, vessels, boat repair, boat shops, ore shops, repair shops. Jesus said, you know what? This, this little group of people I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna make 33% of them fishermen because they know the lingo. You know what else he picked? A tax collector. Well, why would you pick a tax collector? Because Roman, the Romans were running the, running the roost. He had to pick someone that knew something about, hey, look it, here's, here's something that will challenge you fishermen that did along with each other. I'm gonna pick a, one of your own people who now collects taxes from you. He works for the government, a government worker. I'm gonna pick a government worker. Why did he pick a government worker? Because this was happening in his society. It's natural to pick a government, he picked Matthew. Matthew, now you go and be an example to the government workers around you. Who else did he pick? He picked Judas. Judas was a thief. Judas was a thief. He picked a thief to help him. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there's thieves and there's criminals who turn their lives to Jesus Christ. And Judas could say, look at brother, I know what you went through. I know what you went through. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Now we know that G- Judas, in the end, went back to his thieving ways. But the Lord saved him. The Lord called him. The Lord did not want that for him. But here he was. Part of Jesus' little church was a thief. 
because he gave himself to Jesus Christ. How about another man, a zealot? A zealot was a person who was passionate about governments, passionate about political things. Roman was coming, Rome was coming to rule Jerusalem. Simon was like, I'm the zealot. This is not gonna happen. We're gonna fight against the government. We're gonna fight against the government. The Lord loved that, but you know what instead? He said, Simon, don't be a zealot against government. Be a zealot for me. Be zealous for me. And you know what, saints? All of our lives have a little bit of that. We have a local community. Whatever we're in, this community has a lot of medical people. Our church is made up of medical people. This community has a lot of engineering places. Our church is made up of engineering places. You know, we're called by the Lord, by the society that we live in. The Lord called us and placed us in a body for a purpose. The purpose to reach those who are medical. To reach those who are educated. To reach those who are professionals. That's why there's professionals in the church. But that's not all there are. Amen, saints? Hallelujah. There's many walks of life. There's many patterns of life. There's many, this is how I got to where I got. That happens all throughout the church. And why is it there? Have you ever asked yourself, why? Why? Why are, why are such a variety of people involved in one local church? Is it not that we all can be used by the Lord to spread his word in our own unique way? Is it not that, the Holy, that it shows that the Lord is not a, that does not choose one person over another? does not choose a blue-collar worker over a white-collar worker, does not choose a dark-skinned person over a light-skinned person, does not choose someone who's male over a female. The Lord says, no, I'm picking you to be placed in a body so you can do the work for me in that society. This is what a local church is. It's placed, it's called by the Lord to work in a society, to work with each other and to work in a society. Do you remember in we can go there quickly in Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Am I making sense to you tonight, saints? I hope so. Am I talking too fast? No. You can tell me. I'm pretty good at You know, if you've been told something your whole life, you take it pretty well. I do my best, though. I'm doing better, I think. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaking about the gift of the Holy Spirit in relation to the church. He writes this in in chapter 12, verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just just as he determines. The Bible is teaching us here that one Spirit, God's Spirit can work through many. Right? This is what the Bible's teaching us. Paul's teaching us that, that God's spirit, it's one spirit. The gifts come from one spirit. But those gifts can be worked out in many different people. So one spirit can come down and work through many. Work through many. He's teaching us here that the spirit of God can work through many people. The spirit does not just work through one person, it may, but it has the potential to work in each of your lives. Do you hear me? The Holy Spirit has the potential to work in each one of your lives. Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? You have to ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit on fire in my heart? 
Is the Holy Spirit, do I think about the word of God when I go to sleep? Do I think about the word of God when I wake up? What's the Lord? What do you want from me? How can I work best in the church that you have placed me in? Or has it become church has become, oh, tonight's church, let me check the box. I'll see if I agree or disagree with the pastor tonight. And if I agree, I'll be happy going to bed tonight. And if I disagree, I'll be a little flustered going to bed tonight. Well, that's sort of a way to live. Sort of a sad way to live. Don't you want to live on fire for Jesus Christ? Passionate for what he has for you? What's the next step for our church? We're starting off in 2024. 2024, what does he have for us this year? Aren't you excited? What does he have for this church this year? Let's keep praying. Let's keep meeting together. Let's keep worshiping him. Let's keep asking him, Lord, send your spirit to us so we know. Each individual has the ability to do that. Are you doing it? The Bible teaches us that there's no excuse of why the Holy Spirit should not work through you, except for you. There's no excuse for the Holy Spirit not to work through a believer, a born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit believer, except for you. That's pretty sobering. I can limit the Lord working. I can limit the Lord working in the church. I can limit that. Yeah, we can limit that. That's sobering, isn't it, saints? Let's not limit the Lord working in our church. Let's not hold back anything from the Lord. Paul then dives deeper in the idea of the body and the church. In verse 12, he says this, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Jesus Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit as to form one body, whether we're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Do you see what the local church looks like? Just as I was saying earlier, it's made up of many parts. Each of the parts has a unique descriptive characteristic. The Paul uses, he goes on here to talk about the, the different parts of our body. Look, at, if, my hand didn't, if my hands didn't show up for dinner, I'm in trouble. My feet better know how to use a fork pretty quickly. Right, you're in trouble. Paul uses this analogy. If the nose isn't there, how do you smell? Right, saints, if we don't show up, how is the Lord working in our church? If we don't show up for church collectively as a body here, collectively, we're a body, we're one unit. If we don't show up before the Lord as a body prepared in our hearts to serve the Lord, how are we going to do the Lord's work? We have to be prepared. We have to have all of our parts together, functioning fully, healthy. Well, how do we do that? We take time to work on it. We take time to work. Check our souls, check our hearts. What am I doing? What should I be doing better? Where's my offenses? Who am I offending? Where do I need to ask for forgiveness? What sin is in my heart? How do I I give up what what I'm passionate for? Lord, help me to focus on you and not my job. Help me to focus on you and not finding a relationship. Help me to focus on you so the church can move forward in you. Because I know, Lord, if you're working in my life, you will give me a job. You will give me relationship. You will give me hope. You'll give me purpose. You'll take care of me. Because it says this, the church, they were without need. Now, there's a difference between wants and needs, right? It may not be what you want, but you may get what you need. Amen, saints? There's a difference there. The church allows you to get what you need because the Lord takes care of you as you fulfill his call in the local church. 
Think about us tonight. Though there are many, there's many parts, many individuals, but each of us meeting together and coming together, what power there is in Jesus Christ. Each of us meeting together and coming together, worshiping the Lord, he comes down and is with us. That's wonderful. That's a blessing. There's power in that, saints. He reminds us in verse 14, the body is not made up of one, but of many. You are not an island unto yourself. You may think, I'm an island unto yourself. It's just me and the Lord. Like the universal church. It's just me and the Lord. It doesn't matter. It's just me and the Lord. It doesn't matter, Lord. It's just me and the Lord. It's just me and you. Well, I'm not doing that because the Lord didn't tell me to do it. Well, what if the Lord told the preacher to tell you to do it? Well, the Lord didn't tell me to do it. We don't see it. We're not going over it tonight, but one of the other attributes was they were steadfastly continuing in the apostles' teaching. It's interesting there that Luke wrote the word, the apostles' teaching. He wanted to help the local church to learn that, hey, listen to those that the Lord puts in your path. He didn't say, Paul, Luke could have easily wrote there, and they were all in one accord, steadfastly earnest in the Lord's teaching, the Lord's doctrine. He could have easily wrote that. Easily wrote that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. He could have easily wrote they were all passionate about the Lord's teaching. You know what he wrote instead? The apostles' teaching. Why would he write such a thing? Do you ever think that? Why would he write? It doesn't matter about the man. It matters about the Lord because the local church has to learn to work with men and women. He wanted them to understand that, look it, sometimes men and women are going to help you draw closer to the Lord. And that's what you do when you submit yourself to maybe your pastor or an older brother or an older sister and listen to them. They're gonna help you draw closer to the Lord. It may not seem like it. I can't take it from that person. No. You might find yourself on the outside, struggling. What's going on? Luke wrote, they were steadfastly and passionate, able to listen to each other, able to work with each other. Why? Because we are the body. We have many parts. All of us are working together. Some parts are used more frequently than others. It doesn't make the other part less important. Less important at all. Amen? What a blessing it is to be in the body of Christ. I'm going to end with this in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. One of the blessings about being in the body of Christ. Actually, maybe I'll give two examples here. But this is it, Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says this, then fear and awe came on, or fear, some of, your, some of your Bibles will say awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You see what happens when the local church is working together? The Holy Spirit is working. When you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to be, maintain my relationship in the church, make church a priority, and when I come to church, Make worshiping the Lord a priority. Make studying the word a priority. Applying the word to my walk. See, when I make that a priority, look what starts happening. The church can experience awe. Miracles, signs and wonders. It's a response to men and women making the relationship with each other a priority in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit begins to work among them. Clearly, these signs and wonders showed that the Spirit's power and presence are among the church. Brethren, the Spirit's power can be among us as we walk in fellowship with each other, as we make church a priority in our hearts. Remember, church, don't think of church as a building. 
Don't think that church is a time slot. Many of us, I know, I grew up here. I sat in the same pews. I was born and raised. I know what many of us are thinking. Here goes another word about the church. I'm trying to break that. Because church shouldn't be mundane to us. It shouldn't be a priority for us. I am trying to break that a little bit. I feel it. I know the weights about people my age, a little younger than me. You have kids. Oh, it's another night at church. I get it. Sometimes you're exhausted. That's okay. Take a break. Sometimes you're on vacation. Go on vacation. Sometimes you're sick. Don't come. We understand. We're not, the pastors, the elders understand. We're not whipping into a forceful something you have to do. But let's not forget, church should also be a priority for the Christian. It should also be something we're excited about. It should also be something we're passionate about. See, there's a difference between saying, come to church just to come to church. I don't want you to, don't come to church just to come to church. I'll say that. I won't speak for Brother Brian, I'll speak for myself. Don't come to church just to come to church. Come to church to serve the Lord. And some people might thought, well, brother, don't say that. I'm being honest with you just from the way the Lord dealt with me. Just from the way the Lord dealt with me when I came to church just to come to church. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a good discipline. I'm gonna spare you the discipline. You know, when you're in class, don't do that to that teacher. You might get yourself in trouble. Listen to your friend when he says that. Don't do, well, I'm going to try it out. Good luck. You know, coming to church should be a priority so we meet with the Lord. Look at something else that happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. That when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord, meaning they were together. And what happened? The Holy Spirit fell. Something they never experienced before. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were being questioned of a miracle. They were severely threatened, it says in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their friends. They went back to the church. They went back to their friends and they reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. And when they heard this, when they, the church, their friends heard this, they raised their voices together in praise to the Lord. You see, when you're going through a trial and you're hurting, sometimes the best place to go is back to your friends, back to your church, back to those who are in fellowship with you and say, can we just, you know what, let's not talk about what happened. Can we just lift our voice together to praise the Lord? And look what happens. It re-energized them. It gave them boldness. They asked for boldness to continue on. See, church, when you come to church, it can re-energize you. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says this, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Peter was in prison all by himself. Peter was rescued and escorted out of the jail by an angel. And in chapter 12, verse 12 of Acts, it says, and when they had dawned on him, when Peter came to, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. It was a house church. They were gathering and they prayed. And Peter knocked on the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and she ran back without even opening the door. And she exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And they all said, you're a liar. It's probably his angel. It's his ghost. You lie. What a, what a scenario. But Peter kept on knocking. Seriously, you leave me out here in the cold? Peter kept on knocking, amen? And the door was open, they saw him, and they were astonished. Prayer for intervention and things out of our control can happen at church. 
Prayer for intervention of things that we have no control of can happen at our church. That can happen at church as you pray together for something. Hey, brother, will you pray for this? I have no control over this right now. But can we just pray that the Lord intervenes? And look at the miracle that happened. Even the church didn't believe the prayer they were praying. That little home fellowship almost didn't believe. No, we're praying for Peter's safety. This Rhoda says he's outside. No, he's not. Let's keep praying for his safety. No, just open the door. If Peter's there. The Lord answered your prayer. This happens at home fellowships. This happens at the church. You can pray for things out of your control. This is what the church is a blessing is. And I just want to end with this, that nothing should keep us from continuing in 2024, in 2025, in 2026, until the Lord comes back to keep us from fellowshipping together. Don't let anything interfere with your relationship with each other. Don't let anything interfere with your relationship with getting that church. If it does, you'll find yourself stuck. You'll find yourself in a rut. You'll find yourself struggling. You'll find yourself at angst. The Lord does not want this. He wants a level playing field, clean, ready to be used, ready to be used by the Holy Spirit, ready to be witnessed so you can witness to others. This is what the Lord wants of his local church. So continuing church education. Don't forget about the church. Make it a priority in your life. In Jesus' name, we love you so much. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for your example and your word. Help us to always, as we have been doing, Father, as you have showed us already in our local body the importance of church, Lord, help us to take this as a reminder just to continue on doing what we're doing and and even try to be better at what we're doing. In your holy name, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Have a great night, saints.